Shalom and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We are Between the River and the Ravens. I'm James. And I'm Lee. So happy to be here. We are just thrilled with what the week has brought and we have a message that was put on our heart that we just wanted to share with you today and we do hope it blesses you as well. Shalom everybody in the chat. Great to see you. We've got Wirewool and Sherry. So glad you are here. Anyone else joining in, we will give you a shout out as you do so. It's been a wonderful week. Glad to see some warmer weather. Hopefully you guys have thawed out as well. I know we're in the 60s, I think, so much of a change compared to earlier a few days ago when we were in the negative digits. That's unusual for us, so it was quite an adjustment. And a lot of us got sick around the same time. I've, I've been sick and Miss My Mercy poured forth on Monday, but I'm I'm feeling a lot better. So we're, we are praying for everyone that's still struggling. And um, thank goodness, I'm, I feel much better. So yeah, the, the sudden weather change never does us well. And so we're just glad it was a quick thing and not a, a lingering no. issue like some are dealing with. So lifting everyone up in prayer that is struggling we are welcome karen glad to see you haven't seen you in a while and welcome to lynn in uh naples florida we love naples that was a fun place uh we went through once when we went to go Mm -hmm. camp on a primitive island down there it was pretty amazing no electricity and a tent it was wonderful. It was Minus the bugs. There was a lot of bugs. It was definitely what you would call off grid. (laughs) It was off grid. Like literally off grid, we had to take a boat out to <laughs> out there. Mm-hmm. It was a good resetter, though. It was. Well, we are very excited to get to talk about tonight's subject. Do you want to pull it up? Sure thing. Elohim of miracles. I did uh, while I was sick. One night I couldn't stay awake, and the other night I I couldn't stay asleep and i kept waking up and i just felt yah pressing on me to talk about miracles because i know all of us have experienced uh miracles in our life Uh, there are probably a hundred times a day we don't even realize what's going on in the unseen realm around us you know from car accidents being averted to attacks being thwarted to minds being changed and feelings being changed and you know something that stopped you from falling down the stairs there, there's a whole there's a whole spectrum there that could be under miracles so we wanted to i really wanted to bring this out and it's been fun working on this together and so uplifting and and i just feel like this right now would be a great time to start talking about our miracle uh, that Elohim gives us. Uh, And it's pretty amazing what you find when you dig into it, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, we have no idea what the Father is up to and what He's doing day in and day out for us. You know, Mm -hmm. more than likely, we're the ones getting off track, you know, messing up His plan. So, We don't know what kind of miracles he's performing day in and day out to just keep that path aligned, keep us on the right track that he has in store for us. Right. You know, I feel like he probably feels with me like he's herding cats. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he definitely has saved me a time or two. So yeah, and not every miracle is necessarily going to look like a great joyous event. You know, winning the lottery is what some people consider a miracle, a miracle. <laughs> but you know, just being alive and having the breath in us each and every day is a miracle in itself. Mm -hmm. What we've, what he has prevented happening to us or what we've overcome because of him. Uh, it's just amazing. And of course we know the greatest of all miracles is right here, the resurrection of his son and what came from that, the salvation that we all have through repentance and baptism, such a wonderful miracle and blessing. Absolutely. Howdy, Betty. We're glad you're here. Glad to see you as well. So not every miracle can you see. And we'll get into some verses later on that touch into that. But, you know, if you know of a miracle, if you've experienced a miracle, if you've seen one or if you've been one yourself, you know, leave us a comment. Uh, we'd love to hear your story or experience. Yeah, even share after it in the, the Telegram yeah. group, too. It's We need these kind of stories right now um, as things are darker and scarier for for people, we we know that we have Yahweh Sabaoth, and we know that He's got us regardless of what's going on around. And I just feel like these kind of stories are going to give strength to us uh, and and help us endure. And that's what we that's what we have to do, right? We have to endure. Yeah, we need some positive hope-filled messages from mm -hmm. time to time. And so. there are so many. If you search on the internet, oh my goodness, there are, you want to be uplifted, just search for miracles of Yah, miracles of God, miracles, um, everyday miracles. And there you go. Uh, yeah, Sherry's uh, saying here, there's not enough room here to tell of all the miracles Yes, please. Post they uh, can be long-winded, I'm sure. If you've got a short and sweet version, that yeah. works as well. Uh, but yeah, we've all experienced them one way or another. And sometimes it takes years afterwards to actually realize what a miracle that was. And so it's wonderful when those happen as well, mm -hmm. when we can see Yah intervening for us, protecting us, saving us, whatever it may have been. He is always there and it will always have our back. When you're searching for him, too, it makes it that much easier. Uh, I noticed mm -hmm. when I really opened my eyes and got on the narrow path, I was able to look look back and reflect over my life and realize just how many times he intervened miraculously um, and a lot of uh, things that weren't big and then a lot of things that were literally life-altering, life life-saving events. <laughs> and let's get into it. Yeah, big or small, it doesn't matter. They're still a miracle. Mm -hmm. And we still want to give Yah the glory. Oh, every second. So we're going to start with a few verses here to get going. We've got some key words that after these we're going to break down to get a little bit under, better understanding. First in Exodus 15, 11. And this is actually part of the Song of Moshe. You may may be familiar for many of you. Who is like unto you, O Yahuwah, among the Elohim? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? Mm, wonders. 
2 Samuel 22, 33. Elohim is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. Hallelujah, and thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Daniel 4, 3. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Amen. You know, we are all familiar with the the miracles throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, uh, especially all throughout the Torah. And then once Messiah came, all the miracles he performed. But this is from generation to generation that his signs and wonders will be known and shown. So right now in our lifetime, until the end of time, his miracles will be there for us. Amen. Share what Sherry put there. That is definitely a miracle. Hit ice and a van went off a cliff and didn't even have a scratch. Praise Yahweh. That's a miracle. That's what I'm talking about. And, and non-believers look at that and just say, oh, I was lucky. You know, that was luck. Luck has nothing to do with it. That has to do with the hands of Yahweh, uh, protect, putting a hedge of protection around you, like holding you literally in his hands. Yeah, I mean, how many times are we taking credit for something that was a miracle of Yah? That's right. We got to give him the glory in everything. Absolutely. And praise him. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about. So when I dug into this the other day, I noticed that there were three words used to describe miracle in the Basura, which is pretty amazing. The first one, as you covered in that last verse, go back one and let's see what power was used under. Power was used under 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-three. Elohim is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. So go back. That go just forward. goes to show without his miracles, we wouldn't have a perfect way. Right. So power here is in the Greek dunamis, and that is Strong's G1 411, and that is a force, literally or figuratively, specifically miraculous power, usually by implication of miracle itself, ability, abundance, meaning, might, and we see there a worker of miracle, power, strength. It can be violence, that kind of power. But what I'm looking at here is the mighty, wonderful work. And I think Sherry's instance falls under this. That was a miraculous power that protected her as her van went off a cliff and didn't even get a scratch. That's exactly what I see there is this word for power. So I pulled some verses into here that ones that God just led me to as I was reflecting on these different words that are used to describe miracles that happened, right? So this is Mark 5, 25 through 30. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, boy, she'd been through it and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. That sounds like our current medical system. She spent all her money and no one helped her. When she had heard of Yahushua, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, 
I shall be whole. And we know what garment she touched. She touched his hem or his tzitzit, right? And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Yahusha immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? So here we see that power left him that was a miraculous power that healed this woman who had suffered for 12 years. No one could help her. No physician could help her. She had spent every dime. And to me, I know, I know where this woman was at and I know how desperate she was. And we have to realize the time that this was because she had this issue of blood. She was considered unclean. She couldn't serve food to her family, to friends. She couldn't eat with them per the law, right? Mm. She was unclean. So she was isolated. Outcast. She was outcast and so lonely. And I see her desperation as she just reaches up and just knows if I can just touch him, touch the hem of his seat as he goes by, I shall be whole. And that power, that miraculous power healed her through her faith because she had immense faith. Yeah, that's really how I would see this miracle is based on her amount of her faith. Her amount of belief you know, and faith that it would be done. Messiah had many variations of healing. We he can did. see that, you know, whether it be speaking, touching. I mean, we know he even spit into mud. There's all kinds of different ways, but this one really came down to faith, her faith because he was unaware of what was happening. And it was by her faith alone that this power came out of him right. to heal her. Right. It wasn't even an action that he performed. It was her and her mm -hmm. belief in him. And this to me is my, I think it's one of my favorite miracles that there are because he he wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. He wasn't even aware of the need. Although I'm sure he was because he knew they know everything. But, you know, still, I just I love this one so much because it was her faith. And yeah. she had definitely been through it and through it and through it. And that's kind of the point we want to make with this presentation tonight is, you know, we've got to believe that miracles can happen and that will happen in our lives. You know, without that belief and that faith, you know, are we going to cut ourselves off? from the opportunity for him to interact and right. intervene for us, you know, so we've got to keep that strong faith and belief that he will perform that in our life. Right. Right. And we hinder his ability to intervene when we don't have that faith. Exactly. So the next word is sign. Let's go back to that verse we used here in Daniel four, three. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. I really love this word sign. You know, we get it all throughout the Torah where, you know, the Shabbat, the commandments, things are a sign of his covenant, of his people, his chosen ones. And so this is such a powerful word to me that really signifies his power, even if it's a sign in the heavens or the, the sun and the moon and the stars. You know, he's mm -hmm. he tells us that he will show us signs 
throughout our lives in creation. Right, right. So I don't know how to say this in Greek, Simeon, possibly. That's what I think it is. Sim I, I did have that breakdown, but I needed to move it to make space for. And this came this. from G4592. Right. So it's the neuter of a presumed derivative of the base of G4591. Fancy. But uh, it breaks down to miracle, sign, token, wonder. Yeah. So it's still a miracle, a sign. I think they're together. So in Luke chapter 2, 26 through 35, we can see this word used here. And it was revealed unto him by the Ruach HaKodesh that he should not see death before he had seen Yahuwah's Mashiach. And he came to the Ruach in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Yahusha to do for him according to the customary practices of the Torah, then took he him up in his arms and blessed Elohim and said, Yahuwah, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your Yeshua salvation, mm -hmm. which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the other nations and the glory of your people, Yasharel. And Yosef and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Shimon blessed them and said unto Miriam, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Yasharel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow. So Yahusha was the sign. Yahusha is the miracle, is the sign. And I love this. Shimon had waited and waited. He didn't want to die before seeing the salvation of Mashiach without mm -hmm. seeing him. And he recognized him immediately as a child when uh, Yosef and Miriam brought him in to the temple, right? So he actually, as we know, and we see him every day, he was that miracle, that sign, that wonder. It was him. I love him. the story of Yochanan, the baptizer, you know, leaping in the his baby. mother's womb yeah. because he knew that he recognized it. Yeah. Another sign. That was a miracle sign and a wonder. Got another testimony from Sherry on miracles. I was in Salt Lake City at night trying to get home, was, was running out of gas. It was on empty. I prayed and the gas gauge went to half full. Amazing. That is amazing. That faith, you know, you ask and you have faith and it happens. I've definitely in home health had a time or two where I was in a, a situation like that. One was I had a flat tire and and I had I was in a rural county in Tennessee and hadn't seen anybody and passed any car or anything. And uh, I don't remember. I think I was missing the jack or missing the the breaker bar, you know, the ability to take the lug nuts off. I, I didn't have that. And I just was like, what am I going to do? Oh, and I, my phone had no service. I couldn't <laughs> call anyone, you know, and I knew it was going to be several miles walk. And I just prayed 
you know, just help me. And up drove these two guys in a truck that just jumped out. And it was like having my own pit crew, you know, <laughs> they jumped out and had it done in like five minutes. <laughs> and it was a miracle. And I, I said, thank you immediately, because I, I don't know how long I would have been stuck there. It was not good. You know, and we don't know who Yah sends. You know, these could right. be angels sent to rescue us out of a situation. You know, of course, many times it's someone we'll never see again, but we can't necessarily prove, you know. Well, and I, we all walk around as angels for others, exactly. right? Guardian angels. He taps us. I've seen you do that. We had ran, there was a guy in the parking lot on his motorcycle who had something was dead on it, the battery or something. And he had been there for such a long time and you, you managed to help get it started, you know, and I think things like that, that's a miracle. Who knows how long he would have been there. You know? Exactly. We're all at the we place all get at tapped. the right time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure we've all had our gas light come on, on empty, yeah. praying for a gas station to pop up. That's never a good thing, but y'all will not leave us stranded. No, no. Get on your thing. So the third word before we get into some of these stories that I found and that we we personally have ourselves uh, was wonder. This is also used to describe a type of miracle in the Basora. And the, in Greek, it's teros or teres. And that's G5059 in Strong's. And it's of uncertain affinity, a prodigy, prodigy or omen or wonder. And looking in Acts 2, 17 through 2, 22, this is funny. I was actually typing this when you turned to me the other night and said, I need you to, to use Acts. And I was like typing it at the same time. I was like, okay, we're, we're communicating. <laughs> so starting in Acts 2, 17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, said Elohim, I will pour out my Ruach upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. To me, these are wonders. These are miracles right all through here. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, Maidens, I will pour out in those days of my Ruach, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of Yahweh come. And it shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call on my name of Yahweh shall be saved shall call on the name of Yahweh, shall be saved. Ye men of Yasharel, hear these words. Yahusha, the Netsuri, a man approved of Elohim among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which Elohim did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. So signs and wonders we see every day. Well, we're going to see some of those that we've never seen before, but we have nothing to fear because we, we have Elohim. We have his protection. We have our faith and belief in him, our Yahweh Sabaoth. But this is important to realize that a miracle is also 
understood as an omen or a wonder. And there are many omens out there. We see them in the weather uh, as it worsens. I know they blame it on the, the climate, you know, as they say, change. <laughs> Sorry, we have to kind of speak in a little to say things. Um, but we see the Euphrates drying up. We see things being revealed that have been hidden underwater and under sand. Um, and I think these are signs and wonders and miracles that are being revealed to us of things from the past so that we know what day we're in. We know what time we're in. And I think it's a wonderful time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are now popping up that are a sign that have been prophesied and foreshadowed back in the books of the prophets and all throughout scripture, right. you know, and speaking of a sign, you know, of the end times, yes, it's going to be a glorious yet frightful time. Those that don't have Elohim on their side, you know, those are the ones where their hearts will fail them because of what they're seeing, what they're witnessing, these wonders that are taking place, you know, they're going to be so ridden with fear and anxiety because it is things that no one's seen before. We don't even know what it's going right. to consist of. So that's just another reason why we've got to be ready at all times because that sign will come when no one knows. Right. Sherry's got another great story there real quick. She's like me. She's She's been, <laughs> y'all has been Could busy keeping book. people like <laughs> you and I alive, right? <laughs> so Sherry says, was thrown from a horse and broke my back. I didn't go to the doctor until two years later. Doctors did a CAT scan and said I should have died. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, usually falling off of a horse does not end well it for people. It does not. I've seen a few of those accidents and being kicked as well. It's it's a, a gruesome injury to have. You know, and you being in the medical field, I've you know, whether lots. it been in the NICU, the ER, home health, so many different avenues, I know you have seen all kinds of miracles. I have. This one grabbed my heart because my, you know, my dad was a Vietnam veteran. He was three tours in Vietnam in the army as a paratrooper. Um, Vietnam, I would say his experience in war there destroyed his life and destroyed our family. However, it saved all of us. It had to happen the way it did. And that's what we have to remember as we go through trials is they have to happen that way so that we can be here where we're at right now. Each one molds us. So I love this story when I found it. Uh, it notes in January 1968, the Tet Offensive escalated the Vietnam War. The U.S. military targeted several North Vietnamese sites in retaliation, including Radio Hanoi, which had broadcast the signal that sparked the offensive. Marine Corps Captain Robert Siegel was the soldier tasked with dropping a 2,000 dropping 2,000 pound bombs on the site? Anxious during his pre-flight check, Bob took comfort in Psalms 121, 1 through 2, and I love this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And this is him in this picture. And go to the next one. We'll see what happened. 
Halfway to the target, the mission was called off. Lives, likely including Bob's, were spared that day. He later became president of World Vision from 1987 to 1998 and focused on peace building and reconciliation, including in Vietnam, where he restarted World Vision's work after a 13 your absence. And in a 1995 speech, Bob reflected, when I traveled to Hanoi last year, I was struck with gratitude that I never had an opportunity to release those bombs. The area then and now is a heavily residential area. Many innocent lives would have been destroyed. Today, I watch our expatriate and Vietnamese staff work side by side at this site, sowing the seeds of hope and reconciliation as we serve the humanitarian needs of this country. And I love that. If he'd have gone through, if it hadn't have been called off, the lives that would have been lost, including more than likely his own. And it was a simple prayer. It was a simple scripture that he was reflecting on. Um, and, and it made a difference. His cry was heard. His his intervention and interceding for for the people below you know that's how i see it is is he knew what he was doing was wrong and he was finding comfort in the father and the father heard him and he changed he changed the outcome you know and it may be that that was always the outcome with yahweh but he needed uh, Bob to to understand who was in control and and he get, gives him the glory he absolutely does so I, I added in here Psalms 46 7 through 11 Yahweh Sebaoth is with us the Elohai of Yaakov is our refuge Selah come behold the works of Yahweh what desolations he has made in the earth he makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am Elohim. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh Sabaoth is with us. The Elohai of Yaakov is our refuge. Selah. And I love it. I just love the story because it shows... The people below probably never knew this story. They didn't even know what was happening that day. They didn't know that Yahweh was creating a miracle that would save all of their lives and their children and their livestock and everything below. And to me, this is a beautiful miracle. And just like what I'm talking about, one that we may not even realize is happening or ongoing we could just be walking around on the ground, doing our job in our yard, around our house or whatever, and not even realize that a plane with bombs was just called off from killing us. Yeah, this story reminds me of how Avraham interceded on behalf of his family to Yah. And because of his faith and righteousness, you know, Lot and his family were saved, were yes. given a pardon out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it's a wonderful example of what we need to be doing. You know, whether we know what the, our family is up to, whether they're not necessarily living the right way, there can be a numerous amount of things, but we need to always intercede on their behalf. Right. Be the miracle. We may be that reason that something happens, that Yah intervenes in their life, that he saves their lives. He, 
in many ways. And so I, I thought I would bring that connection out. I love that. That's, that's you not, not being the miracle, but praying and, and the miracle coming about because you're calling out for others mm -hmm. selflessly. So this next story in his book, Angels, Billy Graham relates the story told by Reverend John G. Patton, a trailblazing missionary in the South Pacific in the new Hebrides Island. The story illustrates how Yah provides angels to protect and care for his believers. One night, Patton and his wife found themselves threatened by hostile natives who surrounded their mission headquarters the Pattons thought for sure that the natives would burn down the headquarters and kill them both. They prayed throughout the night, asking Yah to protect them from harm. The next morning, they were astonished when they realized that the natives had gone away. They had no idea where or why they had left. The missionaries again prayed and thanked Yahuwah for saving them. So about a year later, the chief of the native tribe who had threatened them, became a Christian. He came to visit the Patons when he was asked about this incident of that night of terror. The chief told the Patons that he and his men were too fearful to carry out their plans of attack. They had seen an army of giant men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands surrounding the mission grounds. Patton and the chief agreed that there was no explanation other than that Yah had sent angels to keep the missionaries from harm. And this is the link from that. If you wanted to check out that article for yourself, Shalom Asia. We're so glad you're here. Welcome. I adore this story because it shows exactly how we are protected you know, and I wonder if they were able to see them because they weren't people that had been desensitized through TV and media and everything that we have that desensitizes us even more to what's happening. I wonder if these natives that are more in tune with their environment were able to actually see the unseen or go to the next slide. It could be just like this story given uh that sounds so much like Elisha. So in 2 Kings 6.15 through 6.18, And when the servant of the man of Elohim was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my Adonai, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they, that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Yahweh, I pray you open his eyes that he may see. And Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto El Yahweh and said, smite this people, I pray you with blindness and he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Isn't that amazing? And it's just like what we saw happen with that group of mission, with the husband and wife, the missionaries. You know, maybe that's something we should consider as part of our tool 
box that we have with us in the end times that when we get in these situations where we are encircled, encompassed with the enemy, that we pray that Yahweh allow them to see what's protecting us, that Yahweh allow that their eyes be open so that he can see that we are surrounded by horses and chariots of fire protecting us, you know? Well, and just reading recently through the Maccabees, we have mm-hmm. examples there after as well. After example, after example. Yahuwah Sevaoth, the host of angel armies, will fight our battles for us. Right. And they believed that. Boy, it was like going as a small handful of people going against just a huge, massive amount. And they knew, and that was a miracle. What they pulled, what happened was a miracle. And Yah did show up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was amazing. And there's times where, you know, we may be able to see those things right. other times, not, but we know there is so much spiritual warfare out there that the adversary is, always out there trying to attack us we really don't have a clue what is right by our side battling for us fighting that attack off so that's why it's so important to wear the armor of yahuwah each and every day because with without that protection we might succumb to the darkness so true so an amazing miracle we see in John is Yahusha raising Eleazar. In John 11, 38 through 44, Yahusha therefore again groaning in himself came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Yahusha said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Adonai, by this time he stinketh. I had to add that because that's my favorite word. It's mine too. (laughs) For he has been dead four days and I'm sure he stunketh a lot. Yeah, he most definitely did. So Yahushua said unto her, said I not unto you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of Elohim. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Yahushua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I knew that you hear me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Eleazar come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave cloths and his face was bound about with a napkin. Yahushua said unto them, Loose him and let him go. I love this story, and it has a very relevant meaning to me. And we'll get into that on the next slide. I was going to say, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, well, you've heard it a few times. (laughs) So uh, my brother and our Lazarus story, our Eleazar story, so when you look up El Azar, which is from Strong's H499, it means Yah has helped, Elohim has helped, or God has helped. So this is a picture of my brother and my Lazarus story. Um, that's, that's me and Patrick several, several years ago. 
when Patrick was 16 and I was 12 on July 25th, he had a horrific car accident around two o'clock in the morning. He hit an oak tree going, uh, they estimated around 100 miles an hour. He sustained um, grievous injuries. The first miracle in this story was that exactly a week before our small town had finally received and been trained on the jaws of life that they used to cut through metal on cars. And they had literally just got them and gone through the training. And there was a friend behind Patrick following him in a separate car and he saw the wreck. That was another miracle. He immediately jumped out of his car and started banging on doors. And by the second house, no one would answer. It's two, three o'clock in the morning. No one's answering doors and he's banging on doors and another classmate. I don't know what all these kids were doing out at two o'clock in the morning, but another classmate drove up. It was on a main road in town uh, that lots of people would be on going home or going into town. So that person took over knocking on doors and my brother's friend got in the car and applied pressure to his head. Uh, the, the whole left side of my brother's body was crushed by the impact into the tree and his arm was pinned between the tree and the door. The whole front, it literally, the car looked like on the driver's side, someone just took it and crumpled it from front to back. The his seat was all the way shoved into the back seat, which also um, contributed to this miracle. And he is one of the very few people you will hear the story that if he had his seatbelt on, he would be dead. But that is the fact of the matter for Patrick. It was able to throw him in the back seat. And this giant oak tree was literally where his seat was. And, uh, he had left brain damage. He had fractured his skull. His face was shattered. Every bone was broken in his face. His elbow was crushed between the door. His femur was snapped. Um, but the worst of it was his, his massive brain injury. So his friend applied pressure as best he could to Patrick's head. And thankfully someone answered a door and 911 was called and they arrived with the jaws of life and they were able to extricate Patrick out of the car with those jaws of life. He, they said he would have never made it and he crashed many times. Patrick died several times in the ambulance. They had to call life flight. He crashed in the, uh, or not, not plane crash, but the helicopter, his heart stopped. Um, he, he died multiple times between the accident, the hospital and the helicopter ride to the other hospital in Nashville. He was taken to St. Thomas, which is a Catholic hospital and was given very little chance at survival. My mom was a nurse and my stepfather, a physician. So they were very understanding of the situation. They knew what was going on. Patrick was put into to traction in his arm and his leg. 
He underwent brain surgeries. They had to put a tube in his, through his skull to relieve pressure. I was only 12, but I have always been a person that has paid attention and I can be quiet and I can listen very well. So I listened to the conversations with the neurologist and my parents and, and I heard the words that they said, such as brain dead and no brain activity. And they would come in with these files, little metal nail files and rake it up the bottom of his feet. And he never would respond. And there were shining lights in his eyes. And my mom, she prayed constantly. She, she never left the hospital. She stayed by his side and prayed and prayed and prayed and believed and prayed. And the doctor started saying after four weeks, Patrick was in a coma that he was gone and brain dead. They did several neurological tests uh, to verify that. And according to their test, Patrick was gone. He had no brainstem activity. There were no responses to any of the things that they did. And my mom refused to call it. She absolutely she, I can remember her standing between Patrick and them in the room. Like I, all five foot two of her would have, it would have been a, um, it would have been a fight, <laughs> but they didn't push it. And, you know, I remember her prayers. I remember what she said and, and how she prayed, you know, to make him whole, that if you can't make him whole, take him home. And I guess it was the, I guess it was, a day like any day, only they were getting ready. They were, I think, finally getting in line that they had decided he was gone. And mom was entertaining the thought at shutting off life support. He had been in a coma. He was intubated. There were tubes and wires out of everything and everywhere. And again, it's been six weeks now at this point, and there's no response. And it was a Catholic hospital. We were not Catholic, but Prayer is prayer. <laughs> intercession is intercession. And Yah uses whomever he chooses to use. And these three nuns came in. And one in her giant, she had the white, every the big habit on. And every, I remember seeing him. When they came down the hall, it looked like they were floating. And, of course, I wasn't allowed in the room. This is usually when, you know, other family members would take take me somewhere. I was 12. You know, they, they did try to shelter me as much as they could, but it was, it was getting to the point to where they needed me to understand this process and that we were, you know, be prepared for losing him. And this is the story my mom and my aunt gave me that we're in the room with him. So these three nuns came in and they asked if they could do a prayer. And I know it had a name, it had something to do with laying on of hands. And my mom absolutely agreed. You know, we, we were at the point to where, you know, she had had this faith for so long and she was still fighting it. And I know she was grasping for someone to help her keep her faith afloat. And they come in and they pray over Patrick and they touch every injury that he has every broken part, every damaged part. And, and they prayed over him. And my mom and my aunt both were, you know, years later explained they're in this tiny, ho this hotel hospital room 
you know, there's these machines and traction is these big metal bars, you know, with a bar through bones holding the weights to keep the bones in place. And, you know, it. Patrick's face had been shattered, you know, his skull fractured in multiple places. Yet that was a miracle. That fracturing of the skull, skull allowed there to be swelling and allowed his brain to to take a minute to heal itself. So while they're praying over him, they're touching his head, his arm, his face, his jaws, where the, the injuries were on his head, his leg, all the way down to his feet. Mom said there was this light, this illumination that just seemed to, not that it was shining off of them, it was literally all around Patrick while they're praying all around him. And, and of course, mom and my aunt are praying as well. They're, they're on their knees by the bed praying while this is happening. You know, I'm sure it was just amazing. And that was it. And they were going to allow for one more procedure the next day to, to see, do one more adjustment on the, what was relieving the pressure off of my brother's brain. And we knew it was pretty much the last effort that, that they were going to afford us at this amount of time. And they had given way more than I think that they normally would, given that my stepdad was a doctor and my mom a nurse. And they just, my mom was like a pit bull. She just wasn't going to have it. She was totally fine squaring off between uh, doctors and her son. And the nurse came in to shave an area of Patrick's head and with his right arm that was not damaged, he grabbed her wrist and he was wide eyed awake. He's staring at this nurse in her face and she screams um, because six weeks he's laid there in a coma. And, you know, we, we were all told he was gone. Now, well, my mother never left. She never, ever left. She slept in uh, they had they gave her a room on the hall because they realized they no matter what they tried to do to keep her from sleeping in the waiting room that she wasn't going to leave so they figured they might as well give her a room so she was paged to come in and my brother was awake and very shortly they were able to take the breathing tube out and of course they said he's never going to walk talk or or be able to speak or have cognition, or, you know, all of these horrible things. Mom never accepted that. She prayed through it with him constantly. And my brother graduated uh, his senior year with his class and went on to graduate uh, community college, then University of Tennessee in Knoxville with his bachelor's degree, and then his master's degree in theology from Southern University in uh, Kentucky. So he is our Lazarus story for sure. And just a miracle in absolutely every way. Of course, he is perfect. He is a miracle. And the, the, the whole time he was gone, he was in a field in, uh, with sunshine on him and warmth and being told by a family member, however, that he had to go home. And Patrick knew he, that there would be pain 
but there was something that gave him a peace, he said, in the light, in the warmth of the light. There was a strength that he was able to say, I can deal with the pain. And I promise you, he dealt with a lot of pain. It was a very long, very hard, very trying recovery for him. But he is our miracle. <laughs> and I made it without crying. So that's pretty good. Another miracle. Yes. Just kidding. It is. It is. So true. Shalom, Rodney. Glad to see you, brother. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so that is an amazing story. And, you know, he has really been a example to our faith. Yes. Um, just all the, every, that story doesn't get old. Anytime I hear it, what a miracle that was. And my personal story, I was trying to go through my life to see, you know, what I could consider a miracle, you know, within myself, what I've witnessed within my family. And I would have to say uh, one of the biggest miracles I've seen throughout my life was one of my younger cousins uh, has had some severe health issues, really starting at a very young age, about the age of two. Um, I think from the very beginning, they knew some things could be wrong, but it wasn't until about the age two, they went and had some testing done and he was diagnosed with neuro fibromytosis. And essentially that is a condition where tumors grow along the nerves of the body. Um, and he had tumors behind his right eye on parts of his brain as well on his spine. And he has gone, of course, through numerous surgeries, numerous chemotherapy treatments. He has basically grown up in St. Jude's. He is now I'd say probably 32 or something. And of course, nobody gave him that chance, you know, to see it past uh, being a teenager. And so what a miracle he has been and building on our faith to see y'all working through all these challenges that he has dealt with, you know, tumors uh, being removed surgically, tumors growing back. Um, just all kinds of health issues. And he was such a fighter through it all. Uh, he even after graduating from St. Jude's uh, as a later teenager, ended up with colon cancer. And so he fought that off. He's just been a, a warrior from the get go. And so that really strengthened my faith along the way, just seeing this brave little boy being able to go through all these mm -hmm. terrible things that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And no matter how great the treatment was, the doctors were, and even in your case with Patrick, you know, it was Yah that saved them. The prayers of family too. I know with Anthony, your grandmother, oh, yeah. uh, who's 95 years 96. old, 96 About years old. Mm -hmm. She, uh, a wonderful believer of the father. And I know her prayers covered him. I know his mother's prayers and all mm -hmm. of your family's prayers. I know that those prayers sustained him. We were there uh, when we found out that he had colon cancer and you have a very large family and we're all in one room with hands and joined and, and the prayer that your uncle prayed over him yeah. as he was going to go into surgery. I felt it. You feel the miracle that's there and 
praise Yah, they got it all. He's fine, you know, and getting getting along really well. But what we know here is, like we were saying, the faith that it takes, the, the belief that this is going to happen. That's what my mom had that made the difference in Patrick. She she said, I will know when there's no hope. I will know it. The father will tell me when there's no hope. And I saw her never, ever give up that faith and give up the hope that he was going to make it because her hope was in the father. Her, her hope was in Elohim and she knew he was not going to fail. And I would hear her say that. And it made a difference in my life, you know, with with Andrew, my son, who was born premature, I had seen my mother be able to have that faith in Patrick that allowed me to have faith when they told me that that Andrew, who was born two months premature, they diagnosed him with a congenital heart defect, you know, cardiohypertrophic idiopathic myopathy. I was 17 when they gave me that word. When they gave me that diagnosis, I marched myself to the library at Vanderbilt and got a book. Actually, I went to the lady behind the desk and I had written it down and I said, I need to know what this is. And she got me books and showed me where to look so that I could understand at 17 what he was dealing with. And they decided that they were going to do a heart catheter and he was the youngest baby that Vanderbilt had ever done a heart catheter. And the, the thing was, they told me that it was so likely that he would expire during the surgery, but that it was necessary for them to be able to see where the issue was, if there was any possibility of any kind of surgery that would even work uh, for what was happening. So through watching my mother with her son, even at 17, the night before his cath, I was on my knees praying the prayer of save him and make him whole. Save him whole if you can. And if you can't, you take him home. And he, he they did the heart cath. And I, I remember the doors pushing as they took him away. I did not have a sinking feeling. I just started praying and I prayed for the three hours he was gone. And the doctor comes back, taking his hat off as he's walking through the door. And he says, uh, we couldn't find the problem. There's no problem. We don't see that there is a problem. They never found it. He never had an issue again. We did. Um, they did do a medication that we did for maybe six months, but the issue was gone. They couldn't even find a problem when they did the cat that not only did he live, his heart was healed. I mean, and it was the faith of a 17 year old that had learned that from watching her mother have that faith, period. If my mom hadn't gone through that and I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have ever understood that prayer or why. Yeah, this is a beautiful comment from Rodney. Who can measure a mother's love? Heaven stops just to hear a mother's prayer. Amen. And I was a babe, Betty. You're exactly right. You know, but there's been, you know, thousands of years ago, modern medicine wasn't a thing. Practicing physicians and doctors, you know, all this medical treatment that we're able to have now. But back then, 
they would have probably relied on prayer more than anything. Right. And what a healing power there is, power of the prayer. Right. And there was no question, even at 17, that there was no choice. The miracle was Yah gave me a child and there was no choice to that, it, that I was given a miracle. And that's that. <laughs> well, you've been quite a miracle yourself throughout your various traumas, dog attack, motorcycle wreck, you know, various I have. There's health not issues. enough time. It's... It would take a whole nother hour. Um, but those are the definite, the two ones where I experienced it. My mother also experienced that miracle of, of, of me being saved before I had comprehension of what that was. But I wanted to cover and I added in, this is a book from the seventies, uh, or a book that my mom read. And I remember her telling me about this, this miracle of this man. He is a gospel singer. I think he passed away last year, actually. His name is Merrill Womack, and he survived a plane, a fiery plane crash. And the book is titled Tested by Fire, Merrill Womack. I'll give you a breather and I'll read this. Okay, good. So Womack is best known for surviving a fiery plane crash in Southern Oregon in 1961, a crash that by all accounts should have taken his life, but left him forever scarred and changed. The weather had improved and Womack was heartened. The clouds were high and visibly, visibility was increasing. Weather reports indicated things were even better further north. So Walmack went through his pre-flight checklist and taxied to the runway, which was covered in a few inches of snow. He raced down the tarmac and took off toward the south. He climbed about 300 feet above the trees when, without warning, the engines died. Snow and slush had clogged their intakes and starved them out of much-needed oxygen. Walmack quickly realized he had three choices. He could head toward the heavy timber ahead, land on Highway 97, and lock horns with a semi-truck and several cars, or turn around and head for the landing strip he had just left. So he headed for the runway, but his plane was falling fast. Shy of his target, Walmack reached. Let's see. Walmack was knocked out. Walmack was knocked out when he hit the first tree at 85 miles an hour. The plane volleyed between trees, came to a rest, and 108 gallons of gasoline in its fuel tanks exploded. When Womack awoke, he was surrounded by flames, but escaped the wreckage and stumbled towards the highway. His entire body was burned except for the flesh below his jacket, which had melted in the heat and cooled in the snow to a hard protective coating like asbestos, Womack said. Doctors would later use that untouched flesh to rebuild his face and hands. Two men he had had coffee with that morning raced to the wreck, put Womack in the back seat of their car, and carried him south uh, to the nearest hospital. Womack didn't cry or moan. Instead, he sang all the way there. He even sang while the doctors wrapped his hands. I found the sweet Savior, and now I'm made whole. I'm pardoned and have my release from darkness to light. There's wonderful, wonderful peace. 
Don't you just love that story? It made the, I remember mom reading it to me and just crying because it was such a, he's saying through excruciating pain. I promise you that. I've taken care of many burn patients while working in the emergency room. And to know that he wasn't crying out in pain or moaning because he was singing these praises to Yahweh. You know, he went on to continue to be a gospel speaker. And one quote that I read was through reconstructed lips, he sang praises to the father more beautiful than he ever sang before. And it just absolutely touched my heart. This miracle. He's a miracle. You just don't hear of that happening. Yeah. Well, worship is a weapon, whether it be defensive or offensive. And that really obviously helped him through his battle it did. and recovery. And for the rest of his life, he never stopped singing the praises to the father, even though he had lost so much, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and how difficult it would be, you know, to have all of your skin be burnt and to be disfigured looking, you know, people could really just crumble and become crippled mentally with that kind of uh, trauma that's done to them. And right. he took the higher road he did. and praised Yah through it all. He did. And not only that, he used it. He said he got used to in the book. He, he talks about people staring at him and <gasps> gasping in horror almost. And he would use it as an opportunity to talk about how Messiah saved him, how he was saved from that fiery crash. You know, what a testament he was, uh, uh, just a walking testimony. Yeah. Ronnie says, when Messiah is near, there is no need to fear. Absolutely. That's there great. is not. And we know he's always there. He's always on the right and the left in the front and the rearward. And so there is never a time to fear because he is with us, guarding us, protecting us, comforting us, strengthening us, whatever we need in that moment, you can count on him to give that to you. Right. So from that story, it reminded me of Isaiah 38, 1 through 38, 12. In those days was Yik, <laughs> Yikik's, Yahoo, Ezekiyahu, Ezekiyahu, sick unto death, and Yeshuyahu, the prophet, the son of Amatz, came unto him and said unto him, Thus says Yahweh, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. And Yahu turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto Yahweh. And said, remember now, O Yahweh, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. And yet, Yahu wept sore. Then came the word of Yahweh to El Yeshayahu saying, go and say to Yahu." Thus says Yahweh, the Elohai of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add unto your days 15 years and I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Ashur and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto you from Yahweh that Yahweh will do this thing that he has spoken. 
Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the steps, which is gone down in the sundial of Achaz, 10 steps backward. So the sun returned 10 steps by which steps is it was gone down. The writing of Yekitz Yahu, king of Yehuda, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remnant of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, even Yah, in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. My age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver my wife. He will cut me off with the pining sickness from day even to night. Will you make an end of me? What we see here, he was told, first off, you know, that set your house in order because you're going to die and not live. And from this prayer, that outcome was changed. And mm -hmm. I see that reflective of the story that we just read of uh, Meryl Womack. And he should have died in that crash. That should have been his end. But yet through his worship and belief, I do believe that just like here we see, Yekit, I can't say it. Zikiyahu, you know, had years added to his life. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when we're walking in righteousness, we give all glory to Yahweh. He hears us and, and he can, what his will is, is his will for us. Well, it's it, a miracle. That's a miracle. It is. And it's amazing that because of this event that happened to Merrill and, you know, I'm sure this was a nationwide story, news story. He was probably able to reach so many more with his message, his testimony and his worship, his singing than he may have ever before as a normal everyday person. And nice. so through this, what some would call disastrous traumatic event my life is over he was blessed richly and so many were through him as well oh absolutely shalom john yes. great to see you Welcome. i think that's john turner i believe great to see you brother hope you are doing well i'm glad you have tuned in thank you so much rodney's got a wonderful i agree the story of messiah in the boat with his disciples where they feared for their lives Ever notice that it is our greatest distress. Yah is most at ease. Amen. And that's the truth. He was asleep, right? With his head on a pillow, basically. Yeah. And their boats were tiny. They weren't like he was on some big ship that could take the waves. Like, I'm sure the waves were pouring in in the middle of that horrible storm. <laughs> and they're like, hey, we're going to die here. Are you not even noticing? And after he says, peace be still, what does he say? Ye of little faith. And I think of that very verse and that very scene often, especially when I feel like I'm in a tiny boat in a horrible storm and it brings it all into perspective. Uh, we've got to look for the miracles. We have to look for the signs and the wonders. And sometimes they aren't like Patrick's story where, you know, that was a miracle. Sometimes they're in ways where you just know. You know, I have been protected. I have, I'm not sure of what all was just went down, but I know that something went down and Yahweh protected me. 
you know, and one of the biggest things that sets us apart is obviously the father knows our future. He knows what's ahead. We don't. And so that's why we're fearful. That's when fear creeps in because of the unknown. And so if we were just able to see the future, more than likely we would be able to forgo that. But knowing that Yahuwah does know our future and has a plan for us, we can alleviate that fear that likes to creep in. Being able to surrender, you know, being able to hit your knees and say, I accept whatever your answer is. You let your what will is be done. your will? I accept it. And just, I get to where I just pray, give me strength to endure whatever the will is. If it's not what I'm asking for, give me the strength to endure without what I'm asking for. You know, many times we've said, if you're praying for something specific, whether it be patience or the, the list could go on, you know, to not be fearful. You know, he's not just going to take that away or give it to you immediately. He's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to present you with strong. a situation where you have to then perform that act, you know, perform right. the patience strong. or mm -hmm. overcome your fear. So just keep that in mind. If you're praying for a miracle, you know, he may present you with an opportunity, but you're going to have to endure with faith for that miracle to come to fruition and, and work in your favor. My mother had to endure six weeks of being told that her son was dead and never once did she believe it. Never once did she lose hope or was her faith even tarnished for a second. It just wasn't. I, I listened, I heard, I saw you know, if anything, she was frustrated that everyone else couldn't have the same faith that she had. And that's mainly what I saw that. And she was willing, you know, there was one point where I just thought she's going to lock herself in that room and they're going to have to call the bomb squad or something to get in there because she just she got to where she she just didn't even trust people. You know, some of the doctors coming in. Yeah. But her faith. I really feel like it's what brought that miracle about that and the the intercession that went on on his behalf. You know, I believe there was a power in what the nuns did laying their hands on him. I believe that I believe that there is an ability to lay your hands on and heal each other. I believe it. And we're going to see that um, for those that don't know. I think it's next week, January 4th, Shell uh, and Dr. Monzo and myself are going to go through Shell's Quest for Diagnostic Studies that they do at Wellbeing by Design with Dr. Monzo that has uh, written the wonderful Olive Top Body System book where we discuss the book is about healing through the laying ons of hands and how it relates uh, to the 22 Hebrew letters, the Olive Top. And it's amazing. I, I pray that you join us. It will be on Heart of the Tribes and on our YouTube between the river and the ravens. Mm -hmm. So I believe in it. So we still have a few yeah, more verses. I'll let you out continue this one. <laughs> Isaiah 38, continuing in 13 through 22. I reckoned till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones from day even to night. Will you make an end of me like a crane or a swallow? So did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. My eyes fall with looking upward. O oh, Adonai, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. 
What shall I say? He has both spoken unto me and himself has done. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Adonai, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my Ruach. So will you recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but you have in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot praise you. Death cannot celebrate you. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living, he shall praise you. As I do this day, the father to the children shall make known your truth. Yahweh was ready to save me. Therefore will we sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life. In the house of Yahuwah. For Yeshiyahu had said, Let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil. Upon the boil. I wasn't sure if that was plaster or not. Upon the boil, and he shall recover. Yeshiyahu also had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of Yahuwah? So we see here, just like with Meryl Womack, you know, there's praising and singing. Uh, where did I see that? Uh, Let myself delivered it, the pit of corruption. I thought I saw where he was talking about singing. Yeah, the living shall praise, praise you. Praise you. There we go. The children shall make known your truth. There we go. We'll sing songs with their stringed That's instruments all the for. days of our life. What a wonderful day that will be where we can rejoice and praise him in New Yerushalayim, lifting him up. Amen. Because he deserves our praise and thanks. So I think this is one of the last miracles that mm -hmm. we have. I found this one very interesting as a nurse. It's uh, Callie Hardig, and I found this just doing a search. Uh, in July of 2013, the 12-year-old Callie Hardig was visited uh, visited a water park a few days later her parents were rushing her to the hospital she was complaining of a headache and had a, had a fever of 103 degrees tests revealed that Callie had contracted parasitic meningitis which is a rare infection caused by brain eating amoebas it's also a deadly one Callie was quickly put on antibiotics but her doctors prepared her family for the worst even with treatment, the infection survival rate was less than 1%. At that time, in the whole of North America, only two people were known to have survived, but Callie would become the third. Not only that, but six months later, she'd make a full recovery. It was God's grace, Dr. Matt Lindman said in an interview with Reader's Digest when asked how Callie survived. Other than that, it was count countless little things that went her way, countless little miracles that happened every day and made the difference between life and death. When I was reading this story, it talked about how before they went in to do a procedure, the doctor, that Dr. Matt Lynn came out, Lemon, and prayed with them mm -hmm. and spent time praying over Callie's body. You know, she, I think they had put her actually in a, a drug-induced coma to slow everything down, you know, the progression of the, this parasitic meningitis. And I've seen many stories about, 
over the last five years, especially of people getting these from swimming around Florida and even has crossed over to some lakes and uh, uh, rivers, I guess. I think a couple of places I've noticed that happening and they always pass away. It's, it's a brain eating amoeba. It just doesn't, they can't usually stop it. So this prayer, this intervention made me think of Matthew 8, 14 through 8, 17. And it's the story of Kepha's mother-in-law or Peter's mother-in-law. And we read here, and when Yahusha was coming to Kepha's house, that's Peter, he saw his woman's mother laid and sick with a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the Ruachoth with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Yeshayahu the prophet, saying, He took himself, or he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. It just was a total reflection to me when we pray, and I think. When a physician prays and they pray with a family and they pray with their their patient, I think Yahweh hears in a way. Unfortunately, sometimes to save us, he has to take us. And I know that um, as a nurse, as a fact, saving doesn't always mean that you live. Sometimes the miracle is that it's just your time for your rest until we reach the day where uh, Yahusha comes back and brings us all home, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how amazing to be able to have a doctor that would be there pray. to pray, pray with you. I feel like in today's world that would almost be outlawed. It's a rarity. Um, you know, the for a doctor to rely on prayer just shows that faith that he has. Mm-hmm. He's relying on the Father you know, yes, he's been gifted with certain skills and abilities, Knowledge. but he knows that Yah is the ultimate healer. So to then have a doctor that doesn't believe in Yah or doesn't utilize the power of prayer or feel like, you know, he's going to be re- solely responsible for the healing. Yeah, like, look what I did. What a difference that could make and in the, someone's life. That very first thing he does is give the glory to God, to Yah. Mm-hmm. He says it was God's grace. It was Yah's grace. So he is not taking that credit. And that's why y'all heard his words. He heard him. He heard his prayer. He he heard his intercession for this child, you know, because he knew his heart. He really did. He knew that he was going to give the glory to Yahweh because that's what Yahweh likes to do. He loves to show up and he loves to make it in a way a lot of times where there is no doubt that it was his his miracle, his Mm -hmm. hands that change things. So we're going to finish with a few verses out of John. And I just wanted to have these in here Mm -hmm. to kind of tie in the whole thought of this presentation. It's about believing and having faith that the father is the miraculous healer and he will provide that healing whether it's just comfort in your heart if you've had a loss of a loved one, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with, there is healing through the Father. And so in John 4, 48, it says, Then Yahushua un- 
sorry, then said Yahusha unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. You know, it's a very common saying these days, you know, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it. I got to see it to believe it. Seeing is believing. And, you know, that's just not the way to live life. There's so many things where, like I said earlier, it may be years down the road where we finally see it in the full picture what really happened, how Yah intervened in our life. And so, you know, to have that kind of attitude where I'm not going to believe something's possible until I see it, that may be cutting off your opportunity of seeing these miracles and having them happen in your life. Right. And my question is, was it there and you missed it? If you have the attitude of, I'm not, I, if That's, I don't see it, I don't yeah. believe it. Well, then how do you know it didn't happen and you just didn't see it with, with the, the way that you are? It's a you very know, prideful attitude. It is. And when you're looking for Yahweh and his miracles, you find them in everything. That's mm -hmm. the thing. If you're not looking for him, you're not going to see him. And you're not going to realize what miracles there have been given to you, you know? I think really one of my favorite verses that just keeps coming to me in every situation is seek ye first, you know, the kingdom, the kingdom of, of Yah. Yah, whether it be learning the, the scripture, reading through the word, just wanting to understand that and gaining his wisdom or seeing these miracles, you know, in every aspect of life. If you're seeking him first, he will show you what you're needing to see Amen. and what you're wanting to see, what you're praying for. But you have to be seeking him above all else. And that is really the key to life. It's one thing to uh, say, oh, I see Yahweh in that giant, loud shofar blast that knocks the walls down. But can you also see Yahweh in that still small voice that's uh, on the wind, you know, that's a whisper on the wind? He does show up as that shofar blast that blasts down the walls, but mm -hmm. he's also on the wind as that whisper, you know, he's in both places and you've got to be willing and looking for him to hear him in, in all of the spaces, That's right. the obvious and the not obvious. So finishing up John chapter 20, 24 through 29. But to Om, which is Doubting Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Yahushua came. The other Talmudim therefore said unto him, We have seen Adonai. But he said unto them, Except I see, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his Talmudim were within and to Om with them. Then came Yahusha, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to, to Om, Reach hither your finger and behold my hands and reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing and to Om answered and said unto him, My Adonai and my Elohim. Yahushua said unto him, To Om, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Amen.
And that's really the message I wanted to convey is you have to believe, you know, we have the stories of all the miracles throughout the scriptures. We never got to witness them like so many did, but yet we still believe in them. And so that is the importance is to keep believing in him, keep believing that he will perform miracles in your life. Absolutely. Just have that faith that nobody can challenge you on. Have that faith that you're willing to stand, you know, between them and, and your family member, them and yourself. Have that faith that Yah is there with you. He's bringing and providing the miracle for you. That's right. Intervene on behalf of your family. You know, he not only can use you as a miracle, but he can, you know, perform miracles for yourself. So mm -hmm. there's so many different ways that he works and they're all majestic. And we just have to trust him that he wants our he wants the best for us and will provide the best for us as long as we're seeking him first. Amen. So that does it. I know we went a little bit longer. We're about the hour and a half mark. So we'll go ahead and finish up here. We're so thankful for everybody that joined us tonight. We do hope that you have a blessed evening. Do tune in tomorrow. Lee's got her mercy poured forth in the morning at 930 EST. And then we will both be back with our Let's Talk Torah Friday Fellowship. We're just going to dig in a little bit deeper to this week's Torah portion. It was a wonderful one. It really too. was. They're, they're so good. I, I love the whole book of Genesis. We're getting towards the end. But we do hope to see you there. Bring any questions or comments that you would like Inside. to share with us. Uh, we love fellowshipping with all of you like we do every chance we get. Please join our Telegram groups if you're not a part of that. Check out our website at heartofthetribes.org. We would love to hear your testimony or your miracle. How has Yah shown you a miracle? How has he been a miracle for you? So we would love to hear that uh, to help strengthen all of us. Uh, iron sharpens iron, and the testimonies are so powerful to give Yah the praise and glory that he deserves. So Amen. until next time, shalom and blessings. Shalom and blessings. Mm -hmm.